Good morning, family. So some of you may know that this is only my second time ever <laughs> sharing the message in front of anyone. And the first time I was firmly seated in a chair behind a screen over Zoom and you couldn't see my leg shaking as you may today. <laughs> but seriously though, I really do feel like this is such a privilege to get to share what God's been putting on my heart and a special privilege that it's my Trinity family that I get to do this in front of, so thank you. Now this message actually came out of a conversation that Jen and I had recently um, where during our chat I recounted an experience I had one morning a few years ago. Before Daryl and I moved to the island, while well, we were still living in the Kootenays, and that particular morning I had an appointment slash meeting um, with somebody else. There was also meant to be somebody there facilitating it, and the facilitator had put some very clear boundaries um, in place ahead of time to ensure safety, but also, really more importantly, just to ensure everyone was comfortable. However, the facilitator did not show up that morning. And I was sitting in my car outside the building for quite some time waiting. The other person um, that was taking part in this meeting uh, had brought a friend with her, and they were standing a little ways away, and as time passed, I could see very clearly that they were, um, that she was getting more and more agitated, uh, kind of understandably so. Uh, I really wasn't sure what to do and how to move forward, and before I knew it, I saw um, these two girls kind of storming over to my car and knocking on, on my window, looking very not happy. Um, in doing so, she obviously crossed every boundary that was put in place. And I wish I could say that this was going to be a story about a situation where I showed incredible grace and kindness or what a mature Christian I was. But there was none of that in that moment. In that moment, I was completely in my flesh and my flesh was mad. <laughs> So I rolled my window down, opened my mouth, and let fly all the words at her that I wanted to say about how upset I was, how inappropriate her actions were, and so forth and so forth. And then I was almost shocked into silence for a brief moment because <clears throat> instead of the words that I was expecting to hear because I thought I was saying them, <laughs> I was hearing words of friendship and of compassion and of kindness. Now, Proverbs 18.21 says that the tongue has the power of life and death. And I experienced that truth that day because my words would have certainly brought death to that situation, death to that relationship. But God... <laughs> Our loving, merciful God knew the limits of my flesh in that moment. And in a way that I had never experienced before and haven't experienced since, he literally took over my tongue. 
the Holy Spirit flowed from my mouth and spoke beautiful life. Sorry. I have talked to this person about that day since, and um, her memory of it was that for the first time in her life, in that moment, she felt accepted. She felt valued, and she didn't feel judged. That was the start of a relationship that became and remains very precious to Daryl and I, and mom and dad, <laughs> to this day. And because she also felt God's value for her, it was also the start of her beginning to value herself in a new way. Like, church, isn't that amazing that when we speak life and we show the world God's love for them, we never know the ripple effect that it's going to have. The word essentially says that the world will know we are his by our love. And he really showed me that day and in many ways before and since that his love for us and for everyone has nothing to do with the life we're living, with the choices we're making or have made. He just loves us because we are his children and he is love. Remembering this story with Jen got me seeking God's heart for how we as believers are to treat others um, outside of the church and within the church. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, obey my commandments. And we all here probably know the Ten Commandments and could probably recite them. If you're like me, maybe not always in order, but we could recite them. <laughs> but in Mark, uh, Jesus goes even further and tells us exactly what is the most important to him for how we treat others. Uh, when a teacher of the law asks Jesus, which of all the commandments are the most important? He answered in uh, verse 28 to 31, the most important one is love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment than these. That right there tells us very simply and to the point exactly how we are to treat the world, with love. The word of God, the story of Jesus, is never meant to be about law, to be about condemnation, about fear or fear-mongering. He doesn't love us more because we believe in him. Every person on this earth is his beloved child. And bringing God to the world is to bring the truth of a father who loves, who redeems, who saves. It is meant to help guide our lost brothers and sisters into the arms of their father. Now, I, when I first started to write this, I kind of thought that that's that was going to be the point of the entire message. 
But going through this process, God began to impress on my spirit, on my heart, that how we approach the world begins with how we not only treat one another within the church, but how we actually view one another. And when I asked him what that should look like, the clear and immediate answer I heard in my spirit was this, true family. As I read his word, I began to see his instruction for us to be a family everywhere. In Matthew, and you can also find this, the same story in Mark 3, um, if you're like my husband who will go home and, and uh, do his homework. Um, in chapter 12, Mark, Matthew 12, verses 48 to 50, Jesus was speaking to a crowd of people. And somebody came and got him and said, hey, your mother and your brothers are outside waiting for you. But Jesus looked at him and said, let me introduce you to my true mother and brothers. Then, gesturing to his disciples gathered around him, he said, look closely, for this is my true family. When you obey my heavenly father, that makes you part of my true family. We know that that was not ever meant to dishonor or devalue Jesus' earthly family. We are called to honor our mother and father. We are called to love and respect everyone. And we love our earthly families. But I believe Jesus said this not to dishonor, but to emphasize that when we give our lives to him, when we become part of the um, church, that we are called to be family. Church is not a social group. We are not meant to be just close friends. We are not meant to be family-like. We are called to be family. There are so many <laughs> great scriptures about the family of God and characteristics of being part of that family. Too many to share today. <coughs> Way too many. <laughs> but I did write down um, some really great ones that, that I thought characterized what it means to be part of, part of the family of God and what it means for us to be a, a true family. The family of God intercedes. Psalms 122.8 says, I intercede for the sake of my family and friends who dwell there, that they may all live in peace. The family of God forgives. Proverbs 17, verse 9, in the Passion Translation, says, Love overlooks the mistakes of others, but dwelling on the failures of others devastates friendships. I'm sure that we have all had that experience, and sadly, I've been on both sides of that before. Are we easily offendable in our family, or do we do, we do what we're called, and do we forgive, truly forgive? The family of God loves unconditionally. Proverbs 17, 17. A dear friend will love you no matter what, and a family sticks together through all kinds of trouble. What kind of family member am I? Do I run to another church or leave the church altogether? 
when I don't like something or don't agree with something? Or do I try to find a new place where more people agree with me and my opinion? <laughs> or do I value and honor my place as part of this family that God's planted me in? I'm not, I'm not going to read it today, but Acts 2 talks about the New Testament church being one in spirit. Not in opinion, but in spirit. The family of God does not gossip or lie. James 4.11, do not slander one another. Simple and to the point. <laughs> when I'm talking about someone um, and a situation that's happened, what is the state of my heart when I'm discussing that? I, I don't think it's wrong to have somebody that you can confide in and talk through issues with. Um, but it depends on the state of your heart. Are you doing, because, doing so to um, get somebody else on your side or to show exactly how wronged you were? Or are you doing so because you love and value your family and you really want some wisdom and guidance and how to walk through it in a godly way? The family of God never gives up on each other. James 5.19 says, Finally, as members of God's beloved family, we must go after the one who wanders from the truth and bring him back. I mean, what a declaration of love that uh, we don't just let somebody walk away, but we go after them. It's not... We, we think about God chasing after Jesus goes after the lost and leaves the 99 to go after the one. Sometimes he wants to use each of us to do that. The family of God is happy for each other. Luke 1, 57 to 58 talks about when Elizabeth's pregnancy was full term, she gave birth to a son. All her family, friends, and neighbors were overjoyed for they realized the Lord had showered such wonderful mercy on her. That can be tough. <laughs> um, most of you know a little bit about Daryl and my story, and when we lost our daughter, it suddenly seemed like everyone around me was pregnant. And I was not happy for people. <laughs> I wasn't overjoyed. I was resentful for a season. You know, why, why can't I have a baby? Why, why does everyone else seem to be able to get pregnant whenever they want, and sometimes when they're not even expecting it? <laughs> and, and we can't. But God, his heart for, for me to heal me was so great that when I wasn't even trying, he healed that in me. His heart for us to be a family is so great that when I wasn't trying, he healed that in me so that I couldn't get in the way of being part of a family and contributing what he has call, called me to um, contribute. And now, most of you who know me know how much I love kids and I love babies, and I can honestly say that when somebody is pregnant, <laughs> I am overjoyed to welcome another baby into the family. And that's nothing to do with me. It's all God. There are so many scriptures 
we can read the Beatitudes. It's a great, great description of exactly what love looks like. But one of the ones that um, summed it up really well for me was Colossians chapter 3. Um, starting at, at verse 12, it says, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Kind of sounds like they're talking about me, right? <laughs> Be- Shh, don't say anything. <laughs> Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love, which binds them together in perfect unity. We know that God is love, and so we are putting God over all of it, because without him, it is impossible for us to uphold that for any, any length of time. And when we have God when we put God, when we put love over top of all of that, he binds us together in perfect unity. It goes on to say, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. When I first read that part of the, part of the chapter, what, what initially stuck out to me was um, the part about teaching and admonishing one another. And... I realized that uh, my husband was going to be happy because not only am I supposed to teach and admonish, but I am supposed to be teachable and allow others to admonish me. (laughs) Um, But through reading through this a few more times, Through reading through that a few more times, what God really wanted me to get from that, I believe, was not just the fact that we're supposed to be humble and teachable, because we absolutely are. That's part of what we're called to as the family of God. But that it says to teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And that instantly gave me a beautiful picture in my spirit of what it would look like for us to gather as the family, as the Trinity family. That teaching, God wants to teach us and admonish us. um, But that it is through worship and through the overflow of that worship, through the overflow of the Holy Spirit that we are then taught and admonished. It's not about me coming and doing that or anybody else doing that and telling you what you should or should not be doing and how you should or should not correct yourself. It is about us gathering as one family, worshiping God with praise and thanksgiving in our hearts. 
and he will then impart um, words onto us, scripture onto us, psalms and hymns, and, and the overflow of that. It is in the overflow of that that we are taught. It is a Holy Spirit revelation, not a Delphine revelation, <laughs> a Holy Spirit revelation. So church, as I close, I just want to challenge each of us today as we go about our weeks to um, our week to ask God what our individual roles are within this family and how he can help us be the very best members of this family that we can be. I loved Sean's word that she got about the rainbow and each of us had a different color on us. And individually, it's just a pretty color, but together, it's a rainbow. Individually, we can all be pretty great. Together, we are a family. Together, we are the family of God. Whether we view, not just treat each other as family, but whether we truly view each other as family, as true family or not, will impact our actions and behaviors and our hearts, and that will then overflow onto the world. It will impact our neighborhoods, this community, communities we live in, our earthly families, our workplaces. Church, are we true family? anything stirs in your heart today that you feel hinders you in any way from genuine family relationship with your brothers and sisters around you. Look around. Everyone around is your family. I pray that you will be able to give it to Jesus today. You don't have to try to do anything. He will heal you. Sometimes you don't even ask, and he heals you. He will take those things from you, and he will bond us together in an even greater way. If you need prayer to help you heal, to let something go, or for any reason at all, we have people here who will be happy to pray for you. So please don't leave without asking someone for prayer. Please don't. I genuinely love you, church family. I genuinely do. Thank you. <laughs>